following program has adult language and plenty of spoilers. Listener, be advised. Mr. Fix-It. A legal machine. Diablo Frank. Welcome to the Marvel Superheroes Podcast. I'm a legal machine, also known as Mac, and with me is... Diablo Frank. And today we're going to talk about Tons of Suspense, number 52 and 53, the first appearance of Black Widow. And we can talk about her in general. From Where did you first get introduced to Black Widow? Do you even remember? No, nah, I, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't, I don't really remember when I first got into Black Widow. I want to say that I saw her first in the Daredevil comic books. The earliest stuff that I read of her solo was her run in Marvel Fanfare. Huge fan of her run in Marvel Fanfare, yeah, right? Yeah, we'll have to get to that. I had issues with the character right from the start because I had this weird thing when I was a kid where I had a distrust of people with short hair, male or female. I don't know if I saw it as an act of aggression or if I just had issues with masculinity or what, but guys with buzz cuts and flat tops or you know, stuff like that, I couldn't handle. And then women who had short hair like Black Widow had in the early 80s, I couldn't find them attractive. I couldn't see the appeal in them. It was a weird thing I had to work through as I got older. But you're over that now. Yeah. Now I, some girls, my goodness, some of them are just like Janine Turner back in the day, Northern Exposure, before she went crazy and got into Christian yoga. So Black Widow. Do we have strong feelings toward Black Widow? I like Black Widow because of her Iron Man appearances. In the comics. Right. Was she a semi-regular during the Kaminsky run or what? She bopped in and out. I had the same experience with Daredevil. She would show up for a storyline here and there. That's or... what she did in Iron Man. It's interesting because at first I resented Black Widow being a cinematic Avenger. And I've never felt she fit in with the comic book Avengers very well. As portrayed through most of her comic book run, she was more of an acrobat with the little lasers. So she always seemed a little too underpowered for the Avengers. But when I think about it, because of her relationships to so many different characters within the Marvel Universe, from Captain America to Wolverine uh, Daredevil, I, I, she, yeah. Iron Man, Hawkeye. There's so many characters that she touches on that it almost wouldn't feel right for her not to be a central figure in the cinematic universe. Now, the Black Widow we're covering today, though, the first time I saw her, my brother used to collect this book called Marvel Saga. Are you familiar with it? Yes. Where they would reprint panels and try to tell a chronological history of Marvel from, I don't think they did the 40s very much. I think they started with the Marvel Age with Fantastic Four. And so I'd see her, and I always had trouble seeing the character that I knew, the redhead with this woman who's very feminine looking. For Black Widow, it would have been masculine with a butch haircut and a skin tight outfit and acrobatics. And then here's a woman who's running around with a veil and dressed yeah. in like a typical, for, almost like a, a really retro even for the 60s style dress. Opera gloves and dark hair. It's, it was weird to me. I had trouble understanding that this was the same character that I was familiar with. Now, when did she transfer into this sort of normal looking female outfit to then, remember she had the little triangular mask with the fishnets? That's going to come in not very long, about a year. Okay. And then the more classic version of the character that we're familiar with, with the long red hair, that doesn't happen until I believe the late 60s, or early 70s. Today we're dealing with the villainous commie Black Widow. We watched the cartoon just now, but you actually reread the comic books. I read the comics a month ago. You want to tell them the basics? Watch how my wizardry would finish the real Iron Man. Wonderful ankle. You are like an inhuman crimson dynamo. 
question number one for you, though. Sure, go. Because the cartoon is not a straight adaptation of the first appearance of Black Widow. There's a bunch of stuff with the Crimson Dynamo. I tend to get Crimson Dynamo and Titanium Man and Gremlin and all those guys confused. Who came first? Was it Dynamo or was Dynam- it Titanium Man? Dynamo came first. In the cartoon, there's a good chunk of it where he's fighting Iron Man in his gold armor. Right. Was that some bullshit way of them working in earlier comic book material? Yes. Okay, so he, that, he that fought was, it back in that time period. That was working in Crimson Dynamo's first appearance, which was when he fought the gold armored Iron Man. Fast forwarding us up to the first appearance of Black Widow, which is when he was in the Steve Ditko red and gold armor. Crimson Dynamo was before Titanium Man. Correct. And it was Ivan Vanko. Yes. And it was Ivan Vanko in the movie too, wasn't it? Or was Ivan Vanko the dad? In the movie? Because wasn't... Wasn't Ivan Vanko Whiplash? That's what I was saying. Yeah, yeah. So Ivan Vanko was Whiplash. What is I think so. father was, was Anton Vanko, is that right? Shit. It seems to me like they took a chunk of who Iron Man was in the 60s and they turned that into Howard Stark from the 40s to the 70s. So I was wondering if maybe they'd done the same thing with Vanko, if maybe they'd shuffled some of that stuff off because Vanko in the movie is Whiplash, but at the end of the movie he's also kind of the Crimson Dynamo and yet not. So I'm really confused by how all that works. So like I was saying, Anton Vanko, the Crimson Dynamo, was the first who appeared between the trio of his big-time Russian villains. Crimson Dynamo, Black Widow, Natasha Romanov. Okay, and how many Crimson Dynamos have there been? And Boris Bolsky. Oh, jeez. A few. There have been a few Titanium Mans. So Boris, I think Bolsky is his last name. He'll just been 60-something was his first appearance. Obviously, we're talking about 50s here, so Titanium Man came afterwards. He eventually died, came back, died, came back. Then you no, had Gremlin. Was this, this wasn't the same Boris that hangs out with Black Widow in the story, Different right? Boris. Okay, a lot of Borises in the 1960s. And yes, the Boris, Natasha, Rocky, and Bullwinkle. Okay, so multiple Titanium Men, multiple Crimson Dynamo. That's the perils of having suited villains is that you can stick any schmo inside the suit. Is there an iconic version of either one of those characters where one particular guy is like Vanko, the guy? Vanko is Crimson Dynamo. Boris Bolsky is Titanium Man. Besides being communists, are they related to one another? They were both communists around the same time. Okay, they, so they, 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 they didn't work for like the same commie guy yeah, in Russia yeah, yeah, or something yeah. like that? Yeah, they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah. So they were related then? So yes. Did they, they know each other? Yes. Yes. Because I've always gotten confused with that. So those shifty commie motherfuckers never actually name him in the story. They he's just call pro- him Vanko? He's Vanko or Professor Vanko. That's why we're so damn confused by this. Check the wiki, for Christ's sake. So you, Professor Vanko, the world's greatest expert on electricity, must devise the destruction of Stark's mighty guardian, Iron Man. There's 13 fucking guys named Crimson Dynamo. Number one, Anton Vanko. Number two, Boris Turgenov, who is the guy who... The Boris is partnered with Natasha on this issue. Alex Nevsky... Yuri Petrovich, Dmitry Buchenheim, Valentin Shatilov, Gregor Valsky, Gennady Gavrrr, and then Crimson Dynamo. There's like Crimson three Dynamo, unnamed Dynamo. guys, and then Boris, Boris Vadim. Vadim, and Galina Nimirovsky. So, so yes, there have been a few Crimson Dynamo, but you notice there was no Ivan. Mickey Rourke portrays Whiplash's character incorporated with some of Crimson Dynamo's elements in Iron Man 2. Ivan Vanko is the son of Anton Vanko, portrayed by words. <laughs> Ev- 
<laughs> okay, so you're right in that the comic books had Anton Vanko, who was the original Crimson Dynamo, and I'm right in that it was Ivan Vanko in the movie. Yeah. So clarified at length. Probably excessive length. So. so thank you for listening to the Crimson, Crimson Dynamo, Dynamo podcast. <laughs> and we'll come back next week and cover Boris Valentino Shadow Mick. Anton Vanko is one of the earliest Iron Man villains. He was the first Crimson Dynamo, and he fought Iron Man, which we saw in the cartoon, because his Russian master said we needed to blow up this, some of this you know, entrepreneur's bases because America's down because, with America, America down works. with the freedom, down with the democracy. Vanko comes to the U.S. and he starts a fight with Iron Man, and Iron Man beats him with a tree, and then he puts a speaker onto the guy's ear as he's in this big that suit was pretty damn ridiculous. It looked like he, he was goes, wearing a mattress. Yeah. He looked like the Michelin Man. And he's got these, but yeah, red. he does. It looks like a red Michelin Man, which is terrible because the next Crimson Dynamo armor is the next two Dynamo armors are so fucking badass. The third iteration of the Crimson Dynamo armor is one. One of the best armors. It looks better than most of Iron Man's armors. Badass. But I did like how big and bulky he was, where he made even the gold armor look small by comparison. And I like... Titanium Man takes that spot. Titanium Man is gigantic. And his suit almost never evolves. He had a different suit when Gremlin was Titanium Man, but the best is the big green hulking, no pun intended, Titanium Man with the glowing yellow eyes and the black mask. Yeah. Bad ass costume well and the eyes were my favorite part of the crimson dynamo costume we see here because it's just these black insectoid bulbs on his face with a little light reflection down the middle but unfortunately the cartoon decided to make it those actual like those eye slits so you got this little light line going back and forth as he's supposed to be looking like his eyes yeah, are moving really in the cartoon weird. very bizarre because he was so inhuman and creepy and stuff and he had these weird cable lips two mm-hmm. strips of cable across where his mouth should be very strange looking yeah. a stark contrast to the Kirby-esque machines that you would normally see in that era there's nothing Kirby about no, that No, no, not at all. Nothing Kirby about that armor. Whereas most armors have some Kirby-derived influence. This thing was totally off the wall looking. I don't think anybody's ever said Heckian before, but I guess that's what that was. Oh my God, be. we have got to incorporate Heckian into this podcast lexicon. Iron Man puts this speaker to the ear of Crimson Dynamo of the helmet as Crimson Dynamo been down by a tree, and it just so happens that he's got a recording, I assume it's recording, I hope that's not supposed to be live, of the commie boss stating to, I guess, a subordinate that Crimson Dynamo is becoming too powerful and that once he offs Tony Stark and Iron Man, then they're going to off the Crimson Dynamo. So he decides, well, screw the commies. I'm going to become America. Go Yankee. I love the Mets. He actually starts working at Stark Industries. So that picks us up with Tells Suspense 52. Basically, the communists are telling Natasha and Boris, Natasha, come out, come out wherever you are. Here I am, darling. This is, again, not Boris related to Titanium Man. Just This is random Boris. Boris over in the USSR is like fucking John. They're all named Boris. For the purposes of this podcast, I think we should adopt his name from the cartoon of Borak. Yeah, for <laughs> Yes, let's start calling him Borak. For some reason, the cartoon called him Borak. It seems like the cartoon tried to downplay the more overt communist elements. Well, it could have also been downplaying the Boris and Natasha reference, too. Almost certainly. You know what? That's what it is. That's why he's Borak. Was it this comic book, or was it the first appearance of the Hulk, where they actually had Nikita Khrushchev in the comic, and then in the cartoon, they turned into more of a vague authority figure? That was the Hulk. The Russian overlords send Black Widow and Borak Borak. Borak. Rack, Boris, you know, it doesn't matter. They're going to send them to America to track down traitor Anton Vanko. 
Professor Vanko, right? Let's just say Vanko, man. Vanko, because they, was all some trouble. They see that Vanko's working with Starcraft. They establish that Boris has this crazy strength. Natasha's, she's a black widow. She's manipulative because she can't actually physically affect anything. So she's just a little whirlman. And they just waltz into Stark Enterprise or Stark Industries. I can't remember what it was called at this point. They walk in literally right past Pepper and Happy Hogan and are just like, I need to see Tony Stark. She isn't as bad in the comic book, but in the cartoon, she has the worst, thickest, most ridiculous accent. Who shall I say is calling? Ah, the famous Anthony Stark. I am Madame Natasha. And this is my brother, Borok. Natasha, she's like, damn, this Tony Stark guy. Not so bad. So she does her thing where she's trying to distract Stark while Borok explores, tries to find Vanko and whatnot. Tony goes to take her out to dinner. It says later at a swank supper club. Hello, 1960, whatever this is. Natasha says, it's strange to find a man like you so dedicated to science, yet so sophisticated and charming. Take that, scientists. And Tony says, if there's a moon out, lady, you'll find out how I feel about you, too. Which is pretty funny, because that's insinuating sexual intercourse, probably. Anal. Which moon was he referring to exactly? No, not the moon. No, no, no. He's going to bring that moon out. No, 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 no. Stop. We're not going to go into too much of this fucking terrible story. Boris finds Vanko, shoots him with some ray that paralyzes him. He says it was well, an invention of, of his own. Doesn't it wrap him up in saran wrap? Yeah, it's basically a web shooter. And they say, of course, that he, Vanko invented this for... The Ruskies. The Ruskies. They're using the, his uh, own inventions against him. Sneaks him out, Borok. Besides, he's going to put on the Crimson Dynamo armor, start wrecking shop inside Tony Stark's factory. Stark gets a call saying, hey, man, we got emergency down here. He runs back to Stark Enterprises, says, oh, this is cool. Everything's bad here. Um, hey, keep at it, Happy. I will be with you as soon as I attend to something. And then he's off screen changing into Iron Man and then jumps back on screen. Super low effort put into the whole alter ego in those two panels. Billionaire, philanthropist, genius, terrible thespian. Yeah, worst liar ever, too. So he comes through, tries to save as much of the planet as possible. That's when he busts in and sees the Crimson Dynamo, who he assumes is Vanko. He's like, hey, Vanko, hey, man, cool, hey, thanks for helping me out here with saving all this stuff. And they're trying to rescue some piece of equipment that Vanko... Well, and they'd already established, too, that Vanko had used the armor as a protective measure when doing his more volatile experiments, so right. it wasn't such a weird thing for him to presume. Iron Man lifts his piece of equipment, Boris zaps him, knocks him out cold. He's captured Vanko. He's captured Iron Man. So now he and Natasha have to go find Tony Stark. That's the trifecta. And each of these, he says, I'm supposed to bring him back dead. I'm bringing him back alive. I'm going to get so much more credit for this, right? I'm going to be a hero in Mother Russia. Well, unfortunately, Iron Man starts to wake up. He's like, ah, oh, man, my transistors are drained yes and i will go back and i will use one of frank's words here that fucking trope is used in every single issue of early on of iron man that we read he says oh man if i could only find a way to recharge my batteries we're gonna go ahead and use a quote from the book here luckily i carry a spare extension cord for any emergencies ah i can feel my energy my very life force feeding back because he unscrewed he broke a light bulb and plugged his extension cord into it to recharge his armor i saved our podcast by running downstairs and grabbing an extension cord to keep our battery uh, diminished tablet alive so i feel a little like tony right now because apparently i have the same level of technology as he had in the 1960s wow super relevant I just I ripped on those two panels, and I'm literally reading an iPad that luckily you had a spare extension cord to plug into the nearest outlet. Damn, I think I just got served. <laughs> and quite frankly, I think that tablet has more power than most anything else that yeah. Tony's got in these Luckily, comics. the miniature transistors in this iPad, tablet, whatnot, etc. All right, so he busts out Vanko. They fly back. He begins to bust up Boris. And then this is where Black Widow gets him. She pretends like she's trapped under a piece of equipment. And it's like, you, you got to read that dialogue. 
man. Oh, my God. And do the accent. No, I'm not going to do the accent. She says, it looks like... Okay, hold on. I'll okay, do the accent. You do it. This is you. It looks like the end for Boris. Much as I dislike that brutish oaf, I'll have to aid him somehow. Some rules to trick the American. Iron Man, help me. Actually, it was worse than the comic, cause, I mean, the cartoon, because she's all like, oh, my way- ankle, my ankle was caught by the equipment. Yeah, the equipment, the machinery. It's not even really a Russian accent. It's no. just this weird goulash of European-ish stuff. Iron Man, help! Please! I am pinned by the machine! I'm coming. No. She's the Black Widow. It's a trick. So, of course, Tony Stark, who should already fucking put two and two together that these two are working together, is like, Madam Natasha, I must save her. Dude, th- this is a terrible... This this These two comic books make Tony Stark look really, really terrible. Well, he hadn't seen that particular moon yet. All right, we're back to the moon again, and I'm going to keep reading this comic book as he goes to rescue Natasha. That gives time for Crimson Dynamo slash Borok to get back on his feet, zap Iron Man down, and that's when Professor Vanko jumps in with his lasered invention that he hadn't quite perfected and says, look, I'm going to blow you up I'm because he's trying to buy Iron Man some time to get back up on his feet, which is another trope that Iron Man has apparently used a couple times. He's pointing the laser at Crimson Dynamo and he's saying, I'm going to blow us both up. And he goes, I know you're not going to shoot that laser. It's going to kill the both of us. He's like, I don't care. I got to do what's right. This country has been good to me. They've saved me. Blah, blah, blah. He's been here 15, 20 minutes even. Yeah, almost a half an hour. So he is like, like you said, well, let's go see local Mets football game. We will eat Philly cheese steak and hamburger. I love this country. This country is amazing. In Russia, laser shoots you. I don't know. <laughs> this is terrible. I think we're, we're now worse than them. <laughs> Where they managed to bring us down to their level. So, By the way, it looks like he's trying to put water in his radiator with it this does. thing. It does. It looks like a, it's terrible. This is such a letdown of an issue. So he, then he he sprays his little yard hose that's actually this gigantic laser at Crimson Dynamo, destroying them both. We assume, because it just says, boom. In the cartoon, he's vaporized. He turns white and he mists, I guess, because they couldn't leave a body lying around. Is he actually dead? Like, again, there are so many Crimson Dynamos, I don't know if he comes back. Boris definitely dead. This was the first and last appearance of this Boris. Oh, Vanko! Oh, Vanko. Yeah, no, he died. That's it. He's dead. Really dead. So he's the only character in the entire Marvel Universe that died the one time and has stayed that way. Well, home dude Boris also died, too. Is Ed Brubaker still working at Marvel? Because he might want to get on that. Yeah, let's fucking resurrect another one, guys. Not a great issue. Not a great cartoon, either. Black Widow is nothing in this story. I mean, really, it's Boris's story. Yeah, Boris wrecks shop all over this freaking place. He nearly succeeds in doing everything he tries. He technically does succeed. It's the clowns in the freaking submarine that they took him back to that screwed everything up. Professor Vanko does much more poorly against Iron Man than Boris does in the same armor. Which is nice, actually. I think that a scientist would probably be less of a combatant than... and they, and they, do, they do say that Boris, he already has super strength, so that the armor then amplifies his already super strength. But why don't we go after that Matahari Black Widow? She won't get away, Happy. She failed her mission, her days are numbered. Wherever she goes, I'm sure that someday the Black Widow will spin one web too many 
and catch herself. So we've already established the first issue, Tony Stark is not acting like Tony Stark. He's falling for Natasha, and then when she's injured, oh, Natasha, you're hurt, even though he knows that they're working together, and then he's surprised when she double-crosses him. It's all very not the Tony Stark we established. We occasionally have addressed Max's agenda of reading more comics you actually want to read, but I've had to drag you kicking and screaming toward these early Iron Mans, and I think there's a reason for that, because he's not Tony Stark as you know him yet, apparently. But this isn't even consistent with the Tony Stark in Tales of Suspense 39. They kept preempting me where I was trying to be cynical of those issues. These two stories, the first appearance of Black Widow, were plotted by Stan Lee, they were drawn by Don Heck, and they were written by In In Korak. Korak. In Korak. In dot K-O-R-O-K which is that was the thing I checked when I was reading these I'm like something is not it doesn't feel like Stan well for starters he's in Korak yeah. That says that sounds punny, much less pseudonymy. Yeah. And he's the guy who provided the script. I just assumed reading these this was Stan Lee and Don Eck, but I'm like, something just doesn't seem right, which is why I jumped back through and I saw that N. Korok did both of these. According to what we have researched. Yeah, we, we hit up the Wikipedia and it explains that Don Rico is in Korok. And Don Rico was a comic book artist in the Golden Age, and he also did a fair amount of writing. At the time of the start of Marvel, he was a paperback novelist, and he didn't want to sully his good name or let the publisher know that he was working at a cheaper rate for Marvel. So he used the pseudonym and he only wrote two issues of Iron Man. Apparently two of the worst issues of Iron Man despite featuring the first appearances of Black Widow. Rico would go on to write the story for the movie Bloody Bloody Mary which was a U.S.-Mexican co-production from 1975 involving bisexual vampirism. (laughs) All I know is it was Super, I don't know, was it awesome or terrible, that trailer? Tarantino has seen that movie. Oh, I, I guarantee you that. I would not call, call that Tarantino-esque at all. No, I'm, what I meant was that the first thing I'm thinking of, is this a Tarantino knockoff? Like, what were some of the ones from Grindhouse where he was redoing? Yeah. Right. That's what it felt like. Oh, the movie was definitely in the Grindhouse vein with a Absolutely. touch of hammer horror. Correct. But also a lot of that Mexican horror, which is sort of a unique flavor. Lots of Aztec undertones. Yeah. Possession. Cheap cheap very cheap that's who don rico is he's the guy who writes bisexual vampire movies and he did some fairly prominent marvel characters in the golden age he did human torch vision and some other titles as i'm reading these two issues i'm like something doesn't feel right and we see that in korok the span of issues that he wrote of tales of suspense were these two issues i'm gonna say if we continued reading things would go back at least closer to normal i really hope so because, I mean, Larry Lieber wrote a lot of the Atlas Seaboard stuff from the 70s, and that was pretty ass-awful, too. So the second issue starts. Tony Stark, he says, I've worked for months on an anti-gravity device without success. This time, I'll leave it to blind chance. I've arranged the circuits at random. Don't even remember the formula, but I may as well test it anyway. And, of course, he throws the switch and it works. It's working. A one-in-a-million shot, and it's working. He continues to stress throughout this issue to everyone, because he rushes this over to the military to show them that he's done this. But he keeps telling everyone, hey, I gotta tell you, I didn't write any of this down this is the only one i can't replicate it i don't know how i did it complete chance our great industrialist scientist tony stark fucked around and made this this is a total accident i don't know how i did this as he's demonstrating it for the military there's a paparazzi that it snuck in and took some pictures this is going to revolutionize everything i gotta i'm gonna get a 50 dollar bonus for getting these kind of pictures the press starts to go it goes viral russian overlords see this and say hey man we gotta get our hands on this anti-gravity stuff if we only had someone in america that could help us oh wait natasha romanov the black widow who's been hiding ever since her failure to capture tony stark the previous issue yeah, she- it, it seems like there's like this large span of time that she's gone underground and it's been one it's the next issue. This is such a terrible issue, man. Oh my god, <laughs> this is so terrible. She pins a letter to Tony Stark saying, Hey, it's me, the Black Widow. I've changed. 
It'll be different this time. Let's meet. And what does she do? She just pops back into the office, just like they fucking popped in in the last issue and pepper's like hey it's madam natasha you were here in the last issue trying to blow this whole place up and get iron man killed and she's like okay bye gonna walk right by you in tony stark's office i, I, I don't get it i don't understand these issues make my, my brain hurt senator stern senator gary shandling was right about stark enterprises is all i gotta say about that <laughs> and of course everyone fawns over how hot natasha is although i don't think that they really put too much detail into how she looks in these issues she's kind of sharp she's dressed nicely but uh, yeah I, it, she's just so generic I, it's one of those problems that comic books have is since they always draw women so idealized you can't differentiate one from another because they're this perfectly indistinct beauty so they're interchangeable so how do you tell one person is more beautiful than another person Pepper Potts, when she was first created, she was based on the actress that played Alice on The Brady Bunch. And it was decided that she looked too much like that actress. And so they changed her looks and she became more conventionally pretty. And I think the only leftover from that was the freckles. Aside from the hair color, there's nothing about her that looks any different from Black Widow. Which leads me to the next annoying part of this. So the reason that she's waltzing through and doing all this stuff is because she's supposed to be so hot. That's why she walks right by Happy Hogan. All he's talking about is how hot she is. That's why she can just walk through. So when she walks in to meet Tony Stark, it even says in a little narration box, and so it seems that Tony Stark, brilliant scientist and man of action, isn't the first to be taken in by a pair of limpid eyes. He literally pulls the box out, and he goes, It's my new anti-gravity ray. I was full enough to let the world know about it too soon, for even I can't make another one. I stumbled upon this by accident. And she's like, that little box, it looks so simple, you must be joking. And then he demonstrates it for her, so then she gasses him and steals it. It's like, this is the, like, what the fuck? This isn't Tony Stark. This is dumb. The only thing I can think of is that it's because she's so attractive. To me, they're not emphasizing that enough, that she has that control because she's so hot. Instead, it just looks like it's fucking happenstance and this shit's just falling in her lap. And that Tony Stark's some bumbling fool. That's the way it looks. Anne B. Davis. That was the name of the actress. Sorry, this story is not holding my attention at all. No, it's it's not good. It's now, not they good. do give you an explanation, though. Doesn't Tony say that, oh, I was going to try to lure her into a trap, and then she sprung the trap on me first or some silly shit like that to cover for his incompetence, which jeopardizes the national security? But anyway, Tony says... I underestimated the Black Widow. I knew she was up to no good, but I had to pretend I trusted her to learn what she was after. I never thought she'd move so fast, so unexpectedly. She's not just the damsel who's manipulating the chivalry of the Iron Knight, but at the same time, Tony still looks like a freaking asshole he for letting... Like shit. Why does he need to know what she's up to? He already knows that she's a criminal. Arrest her. Use a decoy. She's what? a fucking commie. <laughs> she speaks with a thick commie accent. She was hanging out with Borak. Arrest her. You don't need to build yeah. evidence against her. Give her to the CIA and let them deport and or torture her. And, and what makes it even worse is this anti, again, this anti-gravity device he's created is one of a kind and then she starts using this anti-gravity ray to lift warehouses and industrial plants out of the ground and then smashing them on the ground. This is an extremely ridiculously powerful device. So why was he just fucking slapping around with it? I know I'm being way too much of a cynic maybe for this book that was published in what, 1963, 64? I don't fucking know. She's just a woman. She'll never remember these new codes. Yeah. Why would you trance it? So bad. And the other thing, too, is Boris had already blown up at least one of Stark's plants in the previous issue. She goes after some more plants. How many fucking plants does this guy have within driving distance? Yeah. So, How is this guy not wiped out? Where is he getting the resources to build entire plants all over again? So the Russians have three-prong attack. They wanted to kill Iron Man. They wanted to kill Tony Stark. And they wanted Natasha to knock off Fort Knox. So after they bust up Iron Man, she literally goes to Fort Knox, just points this anti-gravity ray, and lifts an entire mountain 
off the ground. That's why I can't believe it's so stupid. It just keeps making Tony Stark look worse and worse and worse. The comic book ends. He tracks her down, zaps the machine with a ray, and fries it, which means he's lost it forever because he didn't know how he got it to begin with. It ends when the mountain shoe's picking up after he breaks the anti-gravity ray. The mountain starts to fall back to Earth, which would have crushed her Russian comrades, and Iron Man flies through and saves them. And she's all like, whoa, maybe these Americans aren't so bad after all. This book is like Deus Ex Mecha Godzilla. It's so overt in its construction, unsubtle and so badly thought out, and it's just like this beast that stomps around on the plot it's oh my god it's so bad how did Black Widow get a foothold after these stories it's bizarre I know that's what I don't understand is where is the appeal to ever do anything with this character again so then here's the final panel it's two soldiers talking with Iron Man and they're saying imagine Stark allowing that weapon to be stolen if you ask me he's just an overrated playboy or worse and the next officer goes it's a good thing he has you around to correct his bumbling mistakes he goes yes it is major a far better thing than anyone suspects and that's where the issue ends so you just confirm that now everybody thinks Tony Stark sucks. These are terrible two issues. This is bad for all characters involved. Period. My soul is bruised. Yeah, I would, this is some disappointing bullshit. This is how I thought I was afraid I was going to feel it when we read Tales of Suspense 39. Mm-hmm. And instead, Tales of Suspense 39 was so good, it makes this look like even more shit. Because this stuff tore down what Tales of Suspense 39 set up. I'm often an advocate of keeping it simple and sticking with the script of the comics. But I'm really glad that they went another way in the movies. Because they play with this just enough to where they get that core of a character. But she's so much more interesting as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent than she is as this commie femme fatal it is a job for the black widow did someone mention my name or was it my body the black widow beautiful sinister and deadly can anyone survive her attack Paquita, would you please tell us your feelings about the Black Widow character? I don't like her. First of all, I don't like the portrayal of the character. That whole thing about manipulation, yes, I understand that that's her great power, but I don't agree that you actually have to woman and crying and be all like, oh, sensitive. You didn't like the way that she seemed her go-to move to manipulate is to first play the damsel in distress and all weak and wussy. Exactly. That's what my, my main issue was. But here's the thing. One of my favorite moments in Avengers was when she plays to the male perception of a woman in the face of a god, no less, and is able to use that prejudice yeah. to manipulate Such him. an amazing scene. It's a wonderful oh, god, scene. It's so great. Because you don't see the manipulation coming. You as an audience member don't recognize that that's what she's doing. You think that he's breaking her and in fact she's cracking him. So that was an instance where they made it just to call back to these early stories without making Black Widow look bad. Now, when she's just the generic Femme Fatale and Iron Man 2, I can see where that criticism is stronger. No, even with that on the uh, Avenger movies, that's when I have the bigger issue. Why you have to go into that resort like, oh, the weak girl and blah, blah. Why you don't just be smart and play psychology on it? Why she did play to- psychology. She played his prejudices against him. Exactly! So I'm, exactly. See, that's one of the major points. I, I'm if I want to win an argument or I'm gonna be manipulative. I'm not gonna be. Oh, I'm a sweet girl. But that's a, in, but, but here's the thing, I'm, though. Oh, but here's the thing, though. I'm, I'm really sad and 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 you're really traumatizing me. But all this talk that you're telling me. But no, look, 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 though. But that scene was well written. It was very well acted, and that's really the only time in any of the movies that, that character appears in where she uses vulnerability 
ability as a weapon where she uses her femininity as a handicap or the appearance of a handicap most of the time she is stoic she doesn't tell you what she's thinking or what she's planning and she's able to manipulate a number of people you take Captain America the Winter Soldier Cap doesn't know if he can trust her he needs her and eventually he relents and works with her but he's not sure he can trust her and she's working so many different sides against one another that you can't be entirely sure what side she's on that manipulation is much stronger much more interesting much more compelling than what we're seeing in these comic books where it's just straight up oh I twisted my ankle please come save me Tony well and the scene with Bruce Banner too in the, in the Avengers movie too when, when she's the one who they use to go get Bruce Banner yeah although in that instance that was one time because you could see the fear in her eyes and I suspect that wasn't a way of playing him although it might have been it might have been a way of keeping him from hulking out demonstrating that vulnerability no, might have made him calm down remember she paid the kid to go get him mm. and say oh my daddy's sick please help help that's all Black Widow yeah, that was all Black Widow. So, so you got to give her credit for that so too. So why did they send her? Because she's the best there is at what she does, man. Because she's a girl, and maybe he can. No, not, no, not going to be no, getting no, old. No, 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 no. Because that's the thing, and that, this is something I've been watching Marvel's Agents of Shield, and they are constantly bringing up Natasha Romanoff as the most impeccable agent, the agent against which all other agents. It's her and Nick Fury that come up on that show over and over again. It's the people that are the scariest, that are the most intimidating, that are the most Byzantine in their plans. Maybe I'll give you this maybe i have a discrimination against her because of, i don't like the actress yeah and and i had major <laughs> issues with scarlett johansson when she was I, first cast that's, i think what my major issue is and plus me being a woman i don't like even touching that part of like oh i'm sensitive i am weak i am like oh you're gonna hurt my feelings i hate that i can definitely appreciate that. that and then when you mix with this beautiful girl in a good body and everything and then you add that part is like seriously i mean that kind of puts everything together that i'm against you you know i'm i am a woman and i'm fighting for getting respect as a smart person and you get in this check portraying all this characterization of like how the weak girl will be showing up that's kind of offensive to me when you think of black widow do you think of iron man 2 or do you think of avengers or winter soldier I, well it seems like you think more of avengers yeah yes. so here's the problem the first scene with black widow when she's tied up with the guys who are interrogating her. Right. Yeah, the same. That's the first sort of glimpse of what she can do as an Avenger. It is kind of that way, where she's tied up, she's bound up, and she has to sort of sucker them into getting too close. She was pretty badass in Iron Man 2. Well, her greatest weapon is feigning the weakness of womankind. So may, she may be getting her way in the context of the movie, but she's setting women back by playing at being such a puss. Okay, on, is that where you're coming from? On Iron Man, what is the reason why she got the uh, attention of Tony? Because she's hot. Exactly. She's so hot that even though Pepper the whole time is going, hey, I don't trust this chick. He's like, no, no, no. Signing off. Signing off on this one. Oh, hey, modeling photos. Let me sign off on this one. I think that they did a nice job of paying homage to these early appearances. And I didn't like her in Iron Man 2. I didn't like her until well, Avengers. Well, we're forgetting what, she's the Black Widow. That's kind of her whole MO is the... Right. See, and I'll give she's you that. She's the alpha predator, right? I mean, that's well, what... Well, maybe the issue is that she's the one woman. So as the representative of all womankind in the Avengers, her playing up these negative stereotypes, I can see where that'd be hard to forgive her. I can look past it because to me... Because you're a guy. Yeah, I'm a guy, honestly. And, and she's a femme fatale, and I expect that kind of stuff from her. But as the only major female character in the Avengers franchise, it kind of sucks that she's... she's is, she, is she the original femme fatale? Who? Black Widow? Yeah. Oh, God, no. 
So who was boy? That was nineteen sixty four. Femme fatales go back to the earliest. I know. You know. I'm talking about superhero. Femme no, fatales. even then, really? they, you had them going back years. I mean, hell, look at Catwoman. Edit all that out. Back. That was terrible. I should have thought of Catwoman. Catwoman sucks. So yeah, if you've only got one woman, and that one woman uses womanhood as her main superpower, I can see where that'd be offensive. Well, it is offensive. Plus, I didn't find it funny. I always complain about this. The only joke in the movie, she screwed it up. Are you calling this a party? That was pretty bad. The part where <laughs> I, I'm bringing the party to you? That doesn't look like a party to me. Oh, I don't She really hates that, that joke. Only, it's in the trailer. Only funny line, and she screwed up. <laughs> but once again, I think it's because I don't like the actress. Yeah, have you liked her in any of the movies? I'm not talking about the actress. I mean the character Black Widow. Has that character done anything for you in any of the three movies well, she's appeared in? Well, I will give that in Iron Man 2 when she starts showing all her qualifications. Right. And she starts part. working as a partner with Pepper, and she's just like, whatever, Tony. And that, I like all that stuff. Yeah, I, I actually did not. Pepper's personal assistant. I did not like Black Widow in Iron Man 2. And for starters, because she wasn't Mila Jovovich. But also, I just didn't like how she was handled. I didn't like the way she looked, the costume. It didn't work for me. I think she was an okay Natasha Romanoff, but I didn't care for her Black Widow. It wasn't until Avengers where she stepped up and became the character that she would carry on with uh, the Winter Soldier. I really liked the Black Widow of the latter two movies. I just did not care for her at all in Iron Man 2. I liked Iron Man 2. I thought she was freaking amazing in Avengers. Especially yeah. to contrast how bad Hawkeye is. Because yeah. they're the pedestrian heroes where they don't really have the superpowers she is a thousand times more useful than Hawkeye is and you know obviously Hawkeye gets manipulated and he's the fucking mole terrible whereas Black Widow again she outwits the god yeah. Loki's the one who's got all these fucking plans in motion and she trashes him. I've not been a big Scarlett Johansson fan for most of her career I've always resented her for being the one who's the breakout star of Ghost World where I was the big Thor of Birch fan and it wasn't really until Avengers where I could see her range where I could see that she was capable of doing more than the stuff that she'd done in so many other movies that was a breakout role for her and I respected her a lot more as an actress after seeing her in that role it's one of those situations where while I didn't care for her casting at first she stepped up so significantly that I couldn't deny that she'd done a wonderful job and she elevated the quality of the movies she appeared in, particularly the, the latter two. <laughs> Black Widow is awesome. She is now. Nah. I'm such a huge fan of the Black Widow and I love playing this character and for me, suiting up again was just pretty exciting. This character is a very strong, independent, intelligent woman who has seen the darkest places, so we get to play with that a little bit. Well, I think the first time that we saw this character, she we didn't really know much about her. We never learned much about the Widow. She's really, um, you know, I think quite, uh, she's a slippery fish in Iron Man uh, 2, and, um, you know, we kind of, we get little glimpses of her, of her you know, her true identity, but... Uh, it's it all happened so quickly um, to be able to play you know the Black Widow as she is without you know these many faces I mean she still she still has many different faces she puts on I think she still is um, sort of divisive in that way but um, we get to see a little bit more of who she is uh, a little bit of her history of her kind of shady past I think that there is so much to explore with Black Widow. Certainly, like, her past um, is something that's always been shrouded in mystery. And, you know, we continue to open up the story, give little, you know, um, kind of tidbits and throw the bone out once in a while as to where she came from and what her, what her background is. So, I mean, I think there's a lot to explore um, there and certainly where she's going. I mean, she, when you take a character who's, who's had the past that she's had, 
um, who has seen the darkest places and who has chosen to make, uh, who has chosen to do the right thing because it's had longevity and over time she kind of appreciates what the right thing is in her mind and why it sort of starts to understand the humanity but because she's seen the depths the darkest depths of humanity there's really such a full spectrum as to where this character could go the first time I ever saw Black Widow is that famous, I want to say X-Men cover, where it's Black Widow, Cap, and Wolverine. The Jim Lee. Yeah, that's Preach. Probably, Preach. Yeah. That's oh, man, as a Captain America fan, to buy an issue of Uncanny X-Men and see the splash page, Jim Lee, Scott Williams of Cap leaping into a mob of foes. Preach. How many places did you see that image recreated? How many Amen, times did they brother. repurpose that image? Hallelujah. It's glorious. I had seen Jim Lee in Punisher War Journal mm -hmm. when he'd been doing that book, and he was a great Punisher artist. Don't be wrong. But when he moved over to X-Men and he was just fucking blowing the doors off of everybody, that's when everybody on Earth loved Jim Lee with all their heart, if you're a comic book fan, because he took any character to the nth degree, the ultimate. You'd never seen them so dynamic, so kinetic, so awesome. That was your introduction to Black Widow, though? I can't think of anything I read that she appeared in. I can't think of anything I was keeping up with. That's I mean, a pretty good that, place to start out I mean, with. At the Jim time, Martin. I was reading mostly X-Men books. I mean, that was your early 90s. I was reading X-Men in early image. No, no, not even image yet. Image hadn't come out yet. No. So the image I, I style, reading, though. All those guys that came in the wake yeah, so of Ari Adams was, and Mike Golden. I was reading a lot of New Mutants, X-Force. Now, I don't imagine, though, that based on that one story, Black Widow made a huge impression on you. No. It was all about Cap and Wolverine. Yeah. Did you ever read any solo stuff for the character after that point? The series where she was a blonde. You're really not familiar with her in the comics nope. at all, then. Mm -mm. So uh, a lot of you, besides the Devin Grayson series, which is the one you're referring to, I believe, or was Greg Rucka doing it by that Greg point? Greg Rucka, I believe. It was okay. Greg Rucka. Tasha Romanoff with the red hair. You didn't actually read very many comics with nope. her in it then. To a large degree, then, the film version is yep. your definitive Black Widow. How do you feel about her depiction on the cinema screens? Since I don't have much to compare it to, ah, she's cool. Uh, Did it mean much to you when she showed up in Iron Man? Yeah, when I heard the name, I knew who she was playing in the movie. Oh, you know what? I take it back. I did get more introduced to the Ultimate Universe. Oh, she's she, in the Ultimate Universe? Yeah, she's in the Ultimate Universe. She actually dates Tony Stark. He makes her armor, and then she steals the armor from her. She's actually a villain in the Ultimate Universe. Actually, she was a villain at the start of the Marvel Universe, right? too. But uh, a Russian spy. Indeed. That was my, I guess, the only comparison I could have to what was in the movie. In the movie, I knew she was going to be a good guy. I knew she was the kick-ass, jumping, blasting people. So I knew that was going to happen. I would and have said him appeal, but okay. Who? Him appeal from the Avengers. The 60s Avengers. She didn't miss his appeal. No. Okay, sorry. Yeah. All okay. these angels? Yeah, I have, but I never even liked those movies. Those are horrible movies. You realize it was a television show from the 70s yes, and 80s. that was even worse. Come on, okay. dude. I watched the original one just because I like Bill Murray a lot. But back to what I was saying. The movies, I knew she was going to be a good guy. And I figured when she popped up in Cap, she was going to be Cap's connection to the present day. Which was very much a retcon. That issue of X-Men you're talking about, Black Widow had never had very much to do with Captain America prior to oh, really? that one issue. I would have figured she would. A lot of spies and stuff, didn't he? Yeah, but Black Widow wasn't involved with S.H.I.E.L.D. all that much back then. What was her link? What was well, her, she was a commie. She was with the KGB and communists. So she was a villain. She was a villain, and then once she broke away from the communists, she became a street-level vigilante who teamed up with Daredevil. So she wasn't doing the spy stuff until relatively recently. They started bringing the spy stuff back into play in the 90s. She had some Nick Fury crossover, didn't she? When, though? I don't know. Now that sounds like maybe that might be right. Yeah, because I can't Black think of Widow any instances where she really hung out with S.H.I.E.L.D. and worked no, with them. No, but I'm thinking that maybe she might have. He only had Nick Fury in his smaller groups throughout most of the 90s, so there wasn't a S.H.I.E.L.D. for her to be a part of. And then in the early part of the 80s, she was still doing vigilante shit. Well, yeah. see, the thing that got me is when I saw her in the movies. 
Hawkeye, I understood his place in the movie. I never quite understood her place in the movie. You needed a uterus amongst the team. All right, but I mean, you have Cap, Thor, Iron Man, Hawkeye. And Hulk. Oh, and Hulk, I'm sorry, yes. You have these very powerful characters. She shocks you with her little buzzers. And did she, she even have that in the Avengers? I yeah, think she did that uh, in she, Cap 2. But she yeah. had to do the thing That's where she actually her... made contact with you in Avengers, and then... I thought she had to make contact. Chitauri's or whatever, she pops them Yeah, she it. still can't fire them. No, 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 in the Avengers movie, yeah. We're talking about in the comics. In the yeah. comics? And I remember she used them in the comics. No, 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 she definitely used them in the comic books. I'm saying in the movies, has she yet used her widow's sting against somebody at range, or does she still have to make physical contact? Physical contact. Okay, I was just curious. I understand they need a female character, I guess, to flush out the group, but couldn't you get someone else that could actually keep up with them? I think the main issue was that Black Widow was one of the early Iron Man villains. It made sense to introduce her in Iron Man 2. She worked within that context, and it didn't start to get weird until they have her as a founding member of the Avengers, especially because, to me, Black Widow never fit well as an Avenger. She always struck me as more of a street-level character or an espionage character. Once she's actually in the Avengers, it's sort of like the whole Batman and the Justice League thing, where the Batman of the Silver Age and even the Bronze Age could be a member of the Justice League, but the post-Frank Miller Batman doesn't make sense as a member. Well, to me, Black Widow is just too dark and too underground of a character, so for her to be part of the biggest super team in marvel it's weird but because they'd already established her in iron man and they had yet to establish wasp who in earlier versions of the avengers script my understanding she was part of the group mm-hmm. i think it just became a matter of there were too many characters to juggle and they'd already set her up so she had got to the great light where I, someone like wasp would not i would see her actually killing people she should be lethal i think it makes yeah, sense to me I, that one line always sticks to me where she's talking to hawkeye like you know we were never trained for this and that always stuck to me y'all are out of your comfort zone thing though is that gave her purpose in the movies because she was that character who helped to establish the perspective of normal highly trained humans versus the godlike beings that they're getting contrasted against in the movies okay that was a great line it's one of my favorite lines many of my favorite lines in the avengers movie come from black widow none of my favorite lines from the avengers movie come from hawkeye this week we received a google plus follow from chris vajsik and twitter follows from aces and eights press Adam Blackmoon, Ben Cohen, Ben Jones, Bob Gilbert, Castle Geek Skull, Comics Alliance, Corey Buckner, Dan the Wham Cole, David Pung, Flotos Fan, The Gospel Friends, Johnny DC at Make Mine Marbles, Marshall Julius, Run With Comics, Screen Crush, Sleepy Reader, Small Time, Steve Boyd, T at T Likes Comics, Tony Stark Tweets, Trey Gordon, and Twist Comics. The Black Panther episode, we got a lot of feedback on that one. For instance, Eternal Rage writes, Epic origin for Black Panther. Nope, but he is a very important part of the MU. His usefulness within the MU has surpassed his extremely lackluster origin. Whereas Norrin Rad's origin is cosmically heroic and tragic, but now he's no longer that. Important and can be replaced by a number of cosmic beings. It's so much harder to replace a character the caliber of BP. I really enjoy both characters, and Black Panther deserves to have more recognition and fanfare. And Chadwick Boseman... Awesome. I really didn't want to write anything beyond another great show, but something happened between my brain and my fingers. Also, Radio Shack can't be a consumer chameleon for much longer. Okay, uh, one, I think Black Panther's origin is pretty epic. Yeah, I like his origin. There are elements of Batman in there, so you've got a little bit of a quid pro quo, but I think it's unique enough. For a superhero origin, it's plenty unique enough to work. When you take into account, if you put yourself in 1960-whatever, three or four, or whatever that was, you see how huge the Fantastic Four were at the time. To have a black character come in and wipe them all out, not even taking into account the origin itself, that's a pretty freaking epic that they would do that in the mid-60s. So. Well, and it's also nice that his origin didn't involve going to prison or trying to clean up his neighborhood or any bullshit like that. 
up. Or an accident. A bomb yeah. didn't go off and create the Black Panther. He intentionally he rose up to be the leader his people needed. But Silver Surfer's got a very nice origin, too. It's pretty badass. I, I really like the Silver Surfer origin. It's a shame that stories that follow that origin typically aren't that great. My next comment's from CJ. Excellent Black Panther episode. Right on. Some of the best mailbag chatter yet as well. All of these Marvel and DC reboots are the reason independent comics are better. Shake my head. Also notice SMH on the internet. Actually, I had to go and interpret that. He put SMH and I didn't know what the hell that meant because I'm old. Oh. Twitter favorites came from Adam Blackmoon, Adelaide Jerks, Afflflight.net, Andrew Leyland, The Anti-Fascist, Army of Skanks, Baked English, Charlton Hero, Chris Thompson, Chris William, CJ, Comic Nerd Unite, The Comic Syndicate, Count Druncula, Corey Buckner, David Golding Artist, Ed Moore, Eel Perrin, Eternal Rage, Fantastiverse, Firestorm Fan, Future Primitive, Harrison Richards, The Irredeemable Shag, Keith G. Baker, Legion Bloggers, Longbox Graveyard, Luke Dobb, Hashtag Marvelous at DJ Dub Floyd, Madman Comic Lord, Mystery Vlog, Phil Leg 22, Player FM, Professor Riptide, Randy Micah Moore, The Rob Liefeld, Sean Riaz, Shit's Legit, Simon Donovan, Siskoid, Small Time, Story Breakers, Sin, Top 5 Road Crew, and We Are Wakanda. Uh, my next comment's from Count Druncula on episode 28, introducing the sensational Black Panther. Another thought on Hawkeye. Because you didn't talk about him nearly enough in this podcast episode devoted to the Black Panther, is that I seriously dislike Marvel Studios for adopting the Ultimates version of Hawkeye, namely the Special Forces soldier who uses a bow and arrow for some reason. Look, I get the traveling circuses aren't a thing anymore, which is why nobody knows what to do with Robin in the movies or television these days. So Hawkeye's origin needs a modern update for the films, but making him a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent soldier is so damn lazy. It also flies right in the face of his personality. Hawkeye would would never last in the military. He wouldn't even get through boot camp without taking a swing at a drill sergeant. He's a boss hater with anti-authority issues. That's how he became a criminal, and that's why he clashed with Captain America for a decade. The saddest part is Jeremy Renner actually has some acting chops. His was the only worthwhile performance in the wretched American hustle, but all the films have allowed him to do so far is play a hired goon number three with a bow and arrow. Hell, Maria Hill has shown more personality in Hawkeye in the films, and Maria Hill is boring as shit. I agree with everything in this comment. Yeah, I can definitely see his point. I think that it is more of a problem for Robin. With the passage of time, Robin's origin was so iconic and so important to that character, and then for there to be a lack of traveling circuses, for there to be a lack of that background, it's really hurt that character. Because I don't know what you would have him do if he's not part of a traveling circus. Yeah. Hawkeye, he can still demonstrate archery tricks. There are still things that he could do, even if he was on YouTube or something, that would make that work for his origin but I agree just making him a shield agent is lame it's it's not an origin it's just some place to, to shove him into the only thing though is that George Carlin was in the military and he's told the story about how he went in there and he had stripes and he lost stripes and he had stripes and he lost stripes and he got court-martialed and ultimately he had an honorable but forced discharge it was this weird circumstance where they got rid of him they fired him out of the military but not dishonorably and basically what it was he was a smart guy he was a capable guy and he'd get recognition for that but at the same time he was anti-authoritarian and a troublemaker so he'd be in the brig half the time when he wasn't being commended by his commanding officer. I could definitely see Hawkeye doing that as well and I think that would actually make the character more interesting if he were ex-military and still had those same issues. So I could see them making it work more so with the actual military than with S.H.I.E.L.D. though because S.H.I.E.L.D. seems to me more of a CIA, FBI type agency where you have to have a stick up your butt for it to work. I'd rather him be military and maybe get recruited by S.H.I.E.L.D. 
because they've been trying to push Hawkeye as a solo character and he's been able to get by on the merits of critically acclaimed creators and just his vibe his attitude but for a character to really work in comics you have to have the whole package you've got to have the supporting cast you've got to have the origin and they keep not pulling that together for Hawkeye and he keeps selling modest numbers as, as partially as a result you pointed out in that podcast that he's been in like three or four movies and we know nothing about him he's always under mind control or he only has very small parts he's literally had zero origin the fact that he's just part of S.H.I.E.L.D. and uses a bow and arrow describes it perfectly that he's been in this many movies and we know nothing else about him why does he have a bow and arrow just right off the bat why does this guy have a bow and arrow there's got to be a story behind it, right? Fortunately, he's so fucking boring, nobody cares. Maria Hill is also super freaking boring. I, I don't want to see that chick anymore in any of these shows ever. And of course, she's something already in the trailers. Something on me, man. I don't know what it is. And it's not fair to her, but something about that woman does not agree with me. Now, I had issues with Kobe Smulders before I got forced to watch a sizable percentage of How I Met Your Mother. And now having seen it, I can't unsee her as Robin. It bugs me because she's the sitcom actress. Why is she in my Avengers movies? Oh, I, I don't watch How I Met Your Mother, so... She works much better as a chick from a sitcom than she does as a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. Agreed. I don't want to talk about Marie Hill anymore, either. We're done with her. Retweets were offered by Adam Blackmoon, All New Sucks, AlphaFlight.net, Ange, The Anti-Fascist, Between the Pages, Charlton Hero, CJ, Comic Nerds Unite, The Comics Syndicate, Comics Therapy, Corey Buckner, Eternal Rage, Firestorm Fan, Future Primitive, Guano Man, The Irredeemable Shag, Keith G. Baker... Longbox Graveyard, Luke Dobb, hashtag Marvelous at DJ Dub Floyd, Madman Comic Lord at Hannibal PB81, Mystery Vlog, Odell Abner Dracula, Phil Leg 22, Randy Caldwell, Randy Mike Smith, Readers Group at Stretham Comics, Ryan C at Trash Film Guru, Sin, and the Top 5 Road Crew. The irredeemable shag, not realizing that I was plugging in a bunch of leftover crap from some of our recording sessions into recordings related to our mailbag to fill out a bullshit episode, tweeted, Best accidental Alpha Flight episode you've ever done. Awesome guest. And started the hashtag I am Alpha Flight to rabble rouse. And a bunch of you fell for it. These included Al at Al52G, Alexander Adrock, who tweeted, Alpha Flight is the best. Anthony Durso at the Toy Room, who wrote, Big fan of Burns' run on Alpha Flight. Once he jumped to Hulk, so did I. It's actually pretty cool. What happened is Bill Mantlo and Mike Mignola had been doing Incredible Hulk, and John Byrne had been writing and drawing Alpha Flight, and they just switched books in the midst of a crossover. Pretty neat way to do that. Black Arrow slash Outro Damn Mind at New Mutant wrote, That Phil Jimenez Doe. Ken at Comics wrote, As a young boy... Alpha Flight burst onto my screen in the 90s, hashtag X-Men Animated, and I realized that I am Alpha Flight. Doug Young wrote, whatever formation, I am Alpha Flight, and left us a nice piece of art. You can see that on the blog. Guano Man wrote, of course I am Alpha Flight. Who wouldn't be Alpha Flight? And then he gave us a link to a blog of Alpha Flight's greatness. Again, you can link to that at the blog. Jerome Stewart wrote, would love to see Alpha Flight save the world and even New York. Twist. Puck is awful woof-inducing too. K&M Comics wrote, Alpha Flight for the win. Keen Mine at Martin Berthelot wrote, I am Alpha Flight and have been since finding a gay role model in the Marvel Universe's young teen. So props North Star on that front. Kyle Benning wrote, How do you not like Alpha Flight? What the hell are you guys, terrorists? Michael Bailey tweeted, Alpha Flight rules. Oscar Olalde wrote, For puck's sake, we do exist. And he offered up a video from a fan that ran for like 12 minutes talking about why he liked Alpha Flight. The Prince of Hope tweeted, Fuck yeah, I am Alpha Flight. Randy Caldwell said, I read the first series of Alpha Flight back in the 1980s. I haven't touched the book since those issues with the Jim Lee art. Steve Boyd tweeted, Puck was always my favorite member of the team. Because of him, I thought every Canadian said, A, other suckers include AlphaFlight.net, Andres Bergen, Andrew Leyland, Antonio Phillips, Bill Bailey, 
Brewhammer, Conrad the Man, Craig Lives Here, Daniel at Arc Raver 7, David Golding Artist, David Sopko, Doug Zawisha, DS and RS, Eel Perrin, Ed Rivera, Edward Woodward at Right Fast, Eric Peterson, Heroes and Villains, J. David Clark, J. David Weeder, Jody Merriman, Keith Mason, Loudly Silent, Michael Wagner, Ramon K. Perez, former Alpha Flight artist, Rich Grimmel, Rod Pruitt, Ryan Wing, Siskoid, and William Mestep. We look forward to fitting these names into a Sentinel Hunter robot and seeing your faces on posters with your fates plastered across those faces. Oh, Canada. Oh, Canada. Oh, humanity. Oh, humanity. Oh, humanity. Oh, humanity. Oh, humanity. Go to YouTube and search Iron Man 911 Illuminati. <laughs> You've got such a fucking heart on you that shit. Because you will not fucking... <laughs> the truth is fucking out there, dude. And you keep burying that shit in the back of these shitty fucking podcasts, uh, and I'm fucking pissed off about it. <laughs> it's in the podcast. It's not a stinger or anything. It, it's, it's, <laughs> it's fucking an hour and 45 minutes into that goddamn podcast, dude. And I fucking told you I wanted that shit. <laughs> You should have led the podcast off with that shit. Yes. Yes. Yes, you should have. Because the rest of that shit was just rehashed bullshit. And that was a fucking shiny-ass gold nugget that we should have put on display <laughs> that we had to leave out because for political reasons that I don't want to get into. <laughs> well, I, I got to give, give credit. I did see it in it. it Everybody fucking watches it. It was like, fuck, you weren't – I thought you were – I thought it was hyperbole. It's not hyperbole. That's some creepy fucking shit. It is shit. some creepy fucking shit. That is Agreed. creepy fucking shit, and I'm not trying to... It's not all pieced together or whatever. That's real fucking shit. It's not like they gave you the game plan. That's debatable. I, look, I didn't say that. Okay, look. I don't want to go, I don't want to go down that route with it. But that's some fucking awesome shit. It's not awesome. It's well, awesome in the sense of being... Awesome in the sense of being... Horrifying. Awesome is in... Traumatizing. Hard to wrap your brain around. Deeply right. troubling. Yeah, deeply, that is deeply troubling. But people need to see that shit. That's some fucking crazy shit. I don't think people need to see that shit. People need to see that shit. No, they really don't. Why not? Because it's problematic and it hurts your character. No. 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 Like it, makes, it, 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 makes, it makes Iron Man 3 that much worse, though. Why does it make Iron Man Because he's already doing an Osama Bin Laden thing in there. That's weird. No, yeah. I, 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 I didn't make that connection. 